Blog Talk Radio. General Quarters, Security Condition 3. GQ, Security 3, sir. General Quarters 3, Intruder Alert. GQ 3, Intruder Alert. Hi, good evening, and welcome once again to Madam Perry's Salon. I am your host and cruise director. Madam Perry, or you can call me Jennifer Perry. That is just fine. And we are here back in the genie's bottle again. First thing I want to say, as I usually do, is thank you all so much for your support. Um, I have had so much fun, even being off a couple of weeks, I've had so much fun checking my stats and numbers and seeing that um, you're listening and you're sharing and subscribing and downloading. And um, if you aren't aware, but you're listening tonight, if you happen to be listening tonight, February the 5th, live on the air on Blog Talk Radio platform, you will see on the screen a hot pink, practically a fuchsia rectangle. Why letters say follow? Please click that if you would, if you're so inclined to follow. And that way you'll know what's coming. Uh, what's coming up on Blog Talk Radio, who my next guests are. Uh, you can also subscribe on iTunes, Player FM, Stitcher, Blueberry, Podcast FM. You, there are so many ways you can download. And, you know, the thing about podcasts, well, I guess with all shows now because um, people can tape or watch again or diva or whatever people do, um, you don't have to just watch or listen to one podcast at a certain time. Most people, and I get the most downloads on the weekend, which is when I also listen to the podcast to which I subscribe. Uh, but, oh, and here's an odd thing about that. Usually I get my biggest numbers on the weekend, as I said. However, and I know I'm not making going to make any inference at all, but it seems that last Tuesday night during the State of the Union speech, I know there were some people who said that you know they were going to watch it. Some people said they weren't going to watch it. They are going to boycott. And yet, oddly enough, I had a massive amount of downloads that night during the time uh, – of, of the State of the Union speech by the President. So I just want to say, for whatever reason, I am just honored that you decided to spend that time listening to some some of uh, my previous shows um, with some of our past guests. And, of course, I think all my guests are fabulous, and so there's not a clunker in the bunch, but I'm so glad that they entertained you. So anyway, uh, subscribe, tell your friends, download, but also... Uh, let me know too what you like. You can always leave comments there on the end on the uh, Blog Talk Radio page or anywhere, and you can also follow us on Twitter, Madam Perry, and Madam Perry Salon fan page on Facebook. Now, recently we have had so many fun. Oh, I had nothing but good guests, but we've had uh, such a good variety. You know, we've had uh, Pat Duggins uh, from. Uh, 
the public radio station in Birmingham and uh, his book about uh, space travel, uh, trailblazing, uh, guide to Mars. Also, Doug, um, yeah, Don Stenson's book about downstairs at the White House, about when he was a 17-year-old intern uh, during at the White House during the time of Watergate, which you might, if, if you think history is dull, get that book. Um, I think history is fascinating, but get that book. It's a lot of fun. Also, we've had so many musicians on. We had Sherry Fink as well, uh, children's author, adult author, uh, and inspiring motivational speaker. Uh, we've had psychics. Psychics are always fun to have. Uh, Timelin uh, Langan, who taught us about living like a millionaire. Coming up soon, we're also going to have uh, tomorrow night, Linda Civitello. She's a food historian and author. And her newest book is called The Baking Powder Wars. Let me tell you, don't think that's some kind of oxymoron or a joke. The Baking Powder Wars were serious business. And this book has got everything. It's got Jesse James uh, bribing politicians all the way up to the, gov uh, to, to the governor's level in states to um, outlaw certain uh, uh, ingredients in a, in a competitor's baking powder just so that the <laughs> other competitors would go out of business. Everything that's going on today, nothing is new, folks. Uh, it's got the Klan, the Mafia, Jesse James, Baking Powder Wars. Anyway, and Linda Civitella is a hoot. We had a phone conversation last week. She's hilarious. So join us tomorrow night for that. Also, Wednesday night, we had the poet Candace D. Henry. I saw her live when I was doing a live show at a coffee shop in downtown Atlanta, a poetry open mic, and I'm so looking forward to this. Um, and also, uh, if you saw one of our favorites, Chasm Sultan, he played at the Iridium last week. It was doing his show. It's called Chasm Sultan's Utopia. If you saw it, give us a call or leave a message sometimes. Tell us how you like it. He's going to be in Sellersville this weekend, and uh, he'll be back on the show soon. Also, we got Bootsy Collins coming up. And that's also going to be fun. I'll let you know about that. But tonight, Swingers, let me tell you, this is somebody that is well known to my audience. And if not, you're going to be in for a treat. He's an author. He's a teacher. He's a publisher. Now, he taught at San Diego State University, Cal State, you know, where um, the Big Bang Theory on the show, that's where these guys work, uh, Sheldon and Leonard and uh, Raj Caltech. and <laughs> Caltech, Caltech. Um, just, just great, fun guys. And um, he is one of the most prolific authors I have ever known. Um, and again, he's the owner and publisher of English Majors, Reviewers, and Editors. And I am just so delighted to have him back. But just before... Uh, well, what the heck? He's got a brand new book. Uh, of course, he's got a brand new book. This man, his mind never stops, and that's another reason why I love him, and he's just fascinating and cuddly. So I want to please bring back and love and welcome author Jim Musgrave. Welcome him back to Madam Perry's salon. Hi, Jim. Hi, Madam Perry. How are you? Uh, I am thrilled to have you here. I am doing very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. Very so good. So far, so Very good. good. So far, <laughs> all right. Well, sometimes that's the best we can hope for, and it's just something to start from. Everything's Take it a minute by minute from. sometimes. 
<laughs> I know the feeling. You know, also joining us in here tonight um, is uh, everybody else, our friend, uh, writer, poet, and uh, co-host of, com- of, uh, uh, of a show on Comedy Central. I forgotten the name of it uh but our good friend duffy odom is in also in here with us tonight because Hello, I've, I've, hi duffy uh Hello, world. Jim, you know i have i have made duffy i have introduced him to the works of jim musgrave and he has become a fan definitely as i all do instant fan and that's so, that's the best kind <laughs> yeah. Really? Well, I, I read so it, I read some of your uh, work, and <laughs> then I became a fan. I, I, it wasn't just uh, drawing out of a hat. I, I had a reason to become a fan. Sure. Um, yeah. And uh, so but, um, yes. Well, what else? What I was going to say, Debbie, is, you know, Jim's had several books of short stories. I love the, uh, if I get the t- titles wrong, I get all excited, uh, the Tales from Catalina Island. One of my oh, favorite. Yeah, actually, that's uh, come back in the news, you know, with Wagner. Yeah. Being a yeah, person of interest yeah. now. Oh, yeah, he is. Same. That's right. What? And that's surprise. the. And it's kind of a snoozer, too, because this has been going on for how long? Didn't I know. Years. Good God. Yeah. After the captain of his boat spilled the beans, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. The, well, the ca- captain wrote a book called Goodbye Splendor. Yeah. And somebody gave me that to read, and that was the most aggravating book because somebody's talking about, or somebody's interviewing, he gets almost there, and then he doesn't. I'm going to tell you. No, no. I need everybody yeah. to know. No, I can't say anything. And I was like, well, what a waste of paper. You know, just get it out. Get it over with. And he, got, he was so afraid. Oh, I won't have any work. This will happen. That will happen. It may be so, but um, I don't know if Christopher Walken is, ta- is talking. Mm-hmm. Walken is talking? I don't think Walken's talking. Walken's not talking. Walken hasn't <laughs> Walken hasn't said a word. Um, Walken, Walken. Also, <laughs> in uh, in, the, in the books that you have, then you had uh, oh, the president's parasite. Another one of my favorites. Oh. Yeah, that's about George it W. Must... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how how many books have you written? He gets possessed by a uh, tapeworm. <laughs> 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 yeah, I thought it was fitting anyway. Mm. One yeah. one that's more intelligent than he is, actually. Okay. And it, and actually, see, let me just try, try to read through some of your um, see some of your titles here. Some of them are, are many I've read. Some I have the Kissing Bandit, Forest of Thorns, Speciesism, Terror in the City, the um, Catalina Ghost Stories. Again, one of my favorites. Freaks of Society, Horror on the Installment Plan, Howdy Doody Docudrama. Home Alone, horror on the installment plan. <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> I just, I'm going to read these. These are great. Uh, family Love Time, uh, Night Visitors, Russia Wolves, Live in 2050, which doesn't sound like it's, it sounds like, you might call it 2050, but from the way you, it describes. Love Zombies of San Diego, one of my favorites. And that was under your... Yeah. Um, 
That You're was a finalist in the San Diego Book Awards for the YA market. Yeah. That is really? one of my favorites. Love Zombies of San Diego. And then, of course, there was um, the Pat O'Malley Historical Steampunk Mystery Trilogy, which that, that, that name right. alone takes longer to read for me to read than it really does take the book because they're nice, nice little bite-sized pocket reads. Uh, they, they were started with Forevermore and then um, Disappearance at Mount Sinai and Jane the Grabber, all with the main character of a detective um, and Civil War vet, Patrick O'Malley. Mm. Mm-hmm. Civil War vet detective. Well, how did you, yeah. uh, James, how did you, uh, how did you get into steampunk after all of these other interests? Well, I kind of, that launched the fourth book in that series, which is called uh, Steam City Pirates. And um, it's full out steampunk. And I just enjoyed the, the genre because of the technology bringing it to the fore. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, so that filled out my four books for that series. Oh. But I enjoyed, you know, kind of moving into the the world of time travel and technology, the things you can bring out in steampunk that you can't in conventional historical fiction. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know. yeah. And that's won several awards as well. Yeah, it, it was a finalist uh several times yeah it had great illustrations in it by my son actually and um oh yeah i think it it It, was before its time actually in the world of steampunk ahead of its time (laughs) and funny i see more stuff um, like it now out but when i did it it was kind of threw some people for a loop the critics anyway yeah and then about a year and a half ago, um, I was at what well, Adrian Ash was my guest last Tuesday. He's a musician, and he puts together these big tribute shows, uh, to bands, band tribute shows. And um, when the first time I went and sang at one with him, I met a guy, David Tyberg, who has a, a steampunk band called The Extraordinary Contraptions. And I mentioned, I said, "Well, this is, look into Jim Musgrave. Jim Musgrave, you know Jim Musgrave?" <laughs> I go, "As a matter of fact, I do." <laughs> He goes, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. man, that guy's great. So, uh, yeah, I said, oh, listen, he'd, he'd love to hear you say this. But uh, but you even went and appeared at some steampunk conventions, didn't you, like Wild Wild West Con? Yeah, I found a, a woman actually came up to me and said that she did her master's thesis on Steam City Pirates, you know, in college. Really? So, yeah. Jen, you didn't tell me that. That was kind of an honor. I mean, thinking that that that's intellectual enough for her, you know. (laughs) I mean, I mean, I wrote it for fun, actually, but uh, yeah. But it's a great book. I've read it twice, and for somebody to tell you that, I mean, okay, I've got to know. How did you feel? I felt honored. I told her so. You know, we've been friends ever since, at least on Facebook. Wow. 
That is fantastic. But now you have a new book that seems to be part of a new series. And um, just to, to just, if I can just give a little description and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, the idea is that before there was Me Too, there was Clara Shortridge Foltz, a woman who fought for and gained women's rights before women could vote, make contracts, or have any control over their own bodies as sexual being. Hmm, it sounds like a bit of a foreshadowing into a, a relapse here. Uh, now you can see mm-hmm. how it was in California before civil rights became an issue for anyone but males. Uh, Clara Shortridge Foltz Esquire is the first woman admitted to the State Bar of California. And this book takes place, I think, 1884 in San Francisco's Chinatown. And uh, you go ahead and tell us the rest of it, how the story unfolds. Well, I I had heard of her before, and um, she was, I remember her as as one of the pioneers, if if not the originator, of um, uh, public defenders. Yes. The The concept of public defending, making sure everybody gets a, a lawyer no matter what. And that's I, correct. That was, that's, a, that's a wonderful thing to... Uh, yeah, I read her uh, uh, biography uh, by Barbara Baxter, an attorney, hmm. and it impressed me so much, her, her biography of uh, Clara, Barbara Baxter's biography. And uh, the woman impressed me so much that I wanted to pay tribute in a fictional way to kind of make her the hero that she never got credit for, you know, in mm-hmm. in real life. Mm-hmm. Uh, although they did name the the L.A. Criminal Center uh, the Clara Shortridge Fultz, you know, downtown L.A., the Justice oh, Center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's kind of a tribute. But I kind of wanted to see if I could make her stand out in the minds of people as as a kind of a intelligent and um, interesting detective and an attorney in the in the times that that were really trying for a lot of people uh, in the sense oh, of yeah. you know people who needed mm-hmm. public defenders <laughs> like women. And especially yeah. the Chinese, the male population in San Francisco. Okay, so I did a lot of now, research. The, the, the title, yeah. The title of this book is A China Woman's Chance, and it's a Porsche of the Pacific historical mystery. So tell us, um, is Porsche of the Pacific, is this going to be a series? Yes. In fact, I've okay. just started on the, the second one. And the first chapter will be included in China Woman's Chance, so oh, that great. people can get a get a little taste of the second one. I'm going to keep these as as I did with the first three mysteries in the in the um, the other series set in New York with O'Malley. I'm going to keep them below fifty-five thousand words. Uh, I used to say that's what Edgar Allan Poe always said, you know, you have to read it in one sitting. And mm-hmm. he was kind of thinking about our modern age today where people are so divided mm-hmm. with their time that they need, you know. Uh, and so many, I don't know if you've 
you've seen this yourself, but I've been reading a lot of so-called best-selling novels from the mainstream publishers, and they're so padded, you know, with description and, and a lot of irrelevant stuff, stuff that I basically skip over. And they only do that so they can charge more money. And, you know, I want to keep the price down for my readers. Uh, so I'm going to keep the mysteries rather lean and mean. And I think um, this series will be that. It's going to have a lot of character development without, you know, padding. And um, a lot of problems that need to be solved. And I've got the woman to do it. She was quite intelligent, almost a photographic memory from what I've read. And um, she was able to pass the bar without... She spent one day in law school. That's it. So these were the days where... (laughs) These were the days where you could... You know, my dad used to say uh, that... uh, bullshit walks, you know, and action talks. And so back in the day, you know, you could actually perform your way into the limelight rather than spend all those years, you know, racking up debt from mom and dad going to law school. And she needed to work because she had five children. Her her husband ditched her. He was a Civil War vet with what we call PTSD, Today, so he ditched her for a younger gal, and so she was left alone. And luckily, her father had been an attorney and also a pastor, and so he was good with words and good with the law. And he saw the the spark in her, and set her on her way. And that's that's basically my hero. You know, she's she's very intelligent. And she's able to use that intelligence to solve crimes and to really get the best of the patriarchy that exists in that era. So I hope people will pull for her and think along with her as she has to solve these murders that are quite horrendous um, in San Francisco. Mm. Hmm. It's a mag- <laughs> magnificent. And the the theme know, of the yeah. I was trying to think of the theme of the book, and it's really independence. You know, and that's that exists even today. You know, men. A recent study at Buffalo University found that men, heterosexual men, uh, when they tested them they were attracted sexually to intelligent women as long as they were in the other room or distant, you know, not in the same space. They found the, you know, if they defeated them in in whatever intelligent uh, tests they were giving them, it was quite attractive to them. But when they put them in face-to-face with these shark women, lost the attraction. So even today, men are wary of really intelligent women. And um, (laughs) I find, you know, it's 
the independence factor also scares a lot of men. Mm-hmm. My father, God bless his soul, you know, had four wives, and he never allowed a single one to work outside the house. Oh and it God. wasn't because he wanted them to be good, you know, mothers and whatever. It was the old keep them barefoot and pregnant, you know. And that's Ooh. what women are for. And uh, I don't know how much of that still exists. I mean, certainly not with my kids, or most of them. They don't go by that standard by any means. But, uh, um, but James, yeah. my, James, my mother was um, was an executive who worked her way up from, um, she went one year to uh, business school and then became a freelance bookkeeper. And um, through the years, she worked her way up to um, vice president of a life insurance company. And uh, she was training men who were making more money than she was throughout her entire career, even when, even up to the point that she uh, she never retired. She uh, became freelance for. Uh, for the FBI, as uh, like Barnaby Jones, uh, investigating. Oh, fantastic! The FBI. The, yeah, the FBI had to follow her around. And one thing about Clara, aside from the intelligence and the uh, dynamism and and uh, all the things that she had to do raising a family, like my mother did, mm-hmm. and and mother was also involved in church every Sunday and Wednesday and sometimes all week Mm -hmm. and working every day at the same time. The thing that caught me was when when you look at a picture of Clara, Mm. she seems so cute and demure, unlike a lot of the suffragettes of the time who were kind of commanding looking. Uh, yeah, she, she used she her looks like, she as, looks like as a she method. To the room, she's not a threat, but that's right. You're not going to leave yeah. the room thinking she's not a threat because exactly. when she opens her mouth and she tells you what you're going to do, that's uh, <laughs> that's a completely different story. And men are definitely taken taken aback by that, and they see it as a threat. Yes. And they always have, and I don't know if they always will or not. It's taken all of this, all these thousands and thousands of years for for it to uh, seep through, and it, you know, you wonder if it ever mm-hmm. will, you know. Yeah. And and books like this are what's going to help change things around. Yeah. And I think I think it's great that there's going to be a series. I wish I wish that there would be a movie and a TV series. <laughs> and, yeah, thanks, um, Duffy. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it's uh, it's fascinating. It's just fascinating. yeah. I think if my if my granddaughter would pick it up and get inspired, you know, or any kid, or any uh-huh. young woman, you know, yeah. it's like uh, that's that's a dream come true for an author. It would have to be somebody born in this century, you know. I'm thinking. Yeah. That's the that's our only hope. You know. Well, the thing but, is, uh, you have to get them off high, the internet long yeah. enough to read. <laughs> yeah, and they're uh, 
They don't like rhetoric. They don't like any political speeches. It's a waste of time because they don't ever mean anything because they they know at a young age that once you get in there, it's going to be completely different than what you said or what you even thought it was going to be. So they're uh, bypassing. They're bypassing a lot of a lot of the bullshit that we, uh, as I, said, I as a youngster, put a lot of stock in. It's it's a yes. myth. It's a myth. Yeah, it's that's why. That's one of the main reasons I turned to historical fiction was because you know the media back then was all print and magazines, and people had mm-hmm. extremely better vocabularies as a result. And they they thought about issues at a much deeper level. When I taught uh, composition mm-hmm. in college, that was the difficult thing: getting students to pay attention long enough that you know you have to really get deep into this subject. You can't just skim by and go to the next thing. You know, really? <laughs> you have to. Right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I was. You know, I just I wanted to get out of this world of distraction. It's it's so. Mm-hmm. And a, um, if you, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It's like, uh, like mining for diamonds, you know. Yeah, on uh, Jim on your website, which is emery m e r e publishing dot com. Uh, folks, mm-hmm. and by the way, if you're listening live tonight and you want to talk to Jim Musgrave, just give us a call at six four six. Seven one six nine nine two two. That's six four six seven one six ninety nine twenty two. And you can talk to Jim Musgrave here with us and join us. Um, one of the paragraphs on on this uh, page on your website that I really really found hidden home is you say, "I write historical mysteries because, in some ways, the stark differences were were clearer." So when my characters act against the evil policies, they stand out better than they do in today's mm-hmm. mixed-up, unfocused, and fake news press. Even though newspapers and magazines were the only media back then, they were still read and digested, and the people and their vocabularies, for the most part, were far superior to what we have today. People thought long and hard about issues, crawled deep inside them, and saw the real causes and effects of laws and legislations, which brings me to a comment you made in the paragraph above about today we have, you said, today we got laws against discrimination, and yet states mm-hmm. suppress voter rights by manipulating voter districts. I mean, that's been going on, especially a lot lately in, I think it's South Carolina, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. That's other right. states as well, just trying to uh, legislative racism. Sure yeah. yeah, yeah, just by another name. So they can say, well, the law is this. And they repeal the Civil <laughs> Rights Act. That. What is, what, what, exactly. What are they thinking? What are they thinking? They're not. They're not thinking. Oh, they know what they're, oh, no. they're not thinking, all right. No, okay. they know, they're they're not, they know what they're doing. It. Yeah. Yeah. There, and it's, uh, you know, look what we got for it. You know, just mm-hmm. uh, just people yelling. Ever since That's talk right. radio, just been yelling and yelling and anger. So and tell us. Well, you have media that's all about controversy to sell products, you know, because controversy yeah. sells, but not yeah. yelling at each yeah. other. That, mm-hmm. That's not. That's not civil. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It started with. Uh, 
with extremist talk radio, and and mm-hmm. they found out, boy, these these people can get riled up over nothing. Let's keep it mm-hmm. going. We we're getting the <laughs> listeners. Let's get more commercials, <laughs> more more That's sponsors. Right. Yeah. And it's and it's only well, the people years of age who even see it happening. Yeah. I mean, they don't mm-hmm. they recognize right. it because they have a point of reference, you know, before mm-hmm. that stuff happened. You know, when you had documentaries yeah. like Edward R. Murrow and, you know, oh, where yeah. the reporter wasn't the personality. The story was the news, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. and the reporter was just a background voice, you know. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. And a, yeah, and a, me too, me a too. pregnant, unmarried, <laughs> rich daughter, beautiful daughter of a of a deceased attorney wasn't the story every night. You know, I don't care what the right. Kardashians do. You know, I don't yeah, care. Really. I don't know one from another. But since we got this, what I want to get to, though, if, if we could wind back, is the book, China Woman's Chance, uh, yeah. which is a portion of the Pacific historical mystery, which means that we're going to have more to look forward to. Um, tell us, if you would, about the story. What's, what's the China woman? What she's going through? What is... Um, Tell us something about the story, and oh, I like tell the story. And I want to know who is story. real in it, who is who are the real people in it, and yeah, who do well, you the main have char- to add? Okay, the main characters are well, the China woman that I'm referring to is is uh, Clara's best friend, and her name is Ah Toy, and she's based on an actual historical character, and she was oh. one of the few. Madams in Chinatown. She came over by steamship, like most of them did, from mostly southern China. And um, her husband died on the passage over. And so she had to make some money fast. So she became the mistress of of the captain of the steamship. And she made a little money. And uh, she started her own business. So she's the... She's the partner, becomes a translator, yeah. working with with my main character, and uh, it's her independent style, even as a madam, that I kind of focus on as the you know theme of the the mystery, if you will, and um, it's actually what the killer. I'm not going to go into who that is, of course. But uh, it's this her independence, let's say, or independence of women is his driving anger or, you know, force that Mm. he detests. And that was basically, in a general way, what the patriarchy was all about, too. Because even though we fought a civil war in that time, or just before that time, and gave... Uh, blacks, Negroes, the right to vote. We forgot about women, and we forgot about Native Americans, and we and forgot we got, about you know the Chinese. Uh, yeah, the they Asian didn't get population here. Yeah. Exactly. So um, she is the kind of the. You've heard the expression Chinaman. You know, you you don't have a chance yeah. in hell, basically. Yeah. Well, really. I've kind of twisted that in that 
the China woman's chance because nobody would expect her to make it in America the way it was set up for the Chinese. Um, But she made it. So um, she's kind of my thematic lodestone, if you will, for the title. And so they have to solve a mystery that crops up whereby uh, a white uh, Irish woman, another minority, in those days, you know, newly uh, the Irish were coming over. In, in San Francisco, anyway. Yeah. So she was trying to be an independent prostitute, and she gets uh, killed and actually flayed like one would flay somebody down to the skeletal region from the neck down. And I kind of described that. They removed her innards. Yes. Uh And And so... (laughs) Where did they go? I have another sympathetic character, the detective, who's streetwise and has worked Chinatown for like 20 years. And he and his partner... Is he the liberal one? Yeah, he's... He's he's from England originally, so he understands the plight of immigrants. You know, he, he, he sympathizes with the men in Chinatown and um, he knows how to use, like any good policeman, he knows how to, to use even the bad guys to his advantage, you know. Mm. So when there's a murder, he doesn't see it like a racist thing. He sees it as a murder. (laughs) Anybody could be guilty of it. It, It's not necessarily a Chinese uh, that killed him. But so anyway, he becomes, uh, gradually he works into um, uh, helping and showing Clara, who's hired by the six companies uh, to protect their rights because they've arrested like 16 Tong members and if, mm-hmm. if you understand the hierarchy in Chinatown in the 1800s, the Tongs were the, like, enforcers, you know, that protect. In some cases, they protected the men when they're working on the railroads. You know, they a lot of them couldn't fight, but these Tongs back in China were, you know, they fought the, the Manchu dynasty, uh, so they were battle-hardened and when they came to America, they became, you know, what we would say, you know, the mafia, the the gang, yeah. gang type. Uh, yeah, the Tong Wars went on and on and on and on. Oh, yeah. yeah. Into the 20s, I think. Yes, and so uh, time, they had a special Chinatown about, squad. Mm-hmm. First time I remember hearing about the Tong Wars, I was a kid watching um, – Buster Keaton and the cameraman, and they said, go out, they're having a tong war out there. And he has to go out and and film one of the tong wars. And I was wondering, what in the world is a tong war? Yeah, and I, yeah. And I looked it up, you know, it, it was, uh, yeah, they, all of this was uh, these uh, street fights, like just like in uh, uh any other town that had it had it that's right uh, yeah and so you know this uh detective leaves lees l-e-e-s he knows the tongs and he you know respects them and he knows um that 
Chinatown wouldn't really exist unless they had their tongue, you know, <laughs> because yeah. they're kind of forced into that that kind of activity because they won't let them into the regular business community except in rare cases like laundry, you know, and uh, oh, yeah. jobs yeah. that other people don't want. And so they were almost forced to get into the <clears throat> prostitution, gambling, you know, that kind of deal. Um, not to be an apologist, but to be a realist, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's yeah. what you had to do to hey, live. Uh, yes. Yeah. Let me just stop for a moment and say, if you're listening live, I want to talk to Jim Musgrave. The number is 646-716-9922. And I believe we do have a call. We do have somebody coming in here to the Genie Bottle, and they're coming in from Louisiana. Hi. Welcome to Madam Perry Salon. Hey, Jennifer. Hey, Jim Musgrave. This is Carrie hey. Dunn. That is, sounds like Carrie Dunn. Hey, Carrie. How are y'all? Sorry Doing about the great. same. Great to hear your voice. <laughs> yeah, let's not talk about Don't the start same anything. Thing. Don't talk <laughs> yeah. about that. So yeah. many <laughs> Still brokenhearted. <laughs> well, it's good to hear your voice. Finally, I've read a lot of your voice, but to hear it is uh, really good. So I just wanted to say hi and kind of listen to some of the show. Thank hey, you. We're glad you did. Great. Glad you're here. I'm honored. So, uh, and, yeah, uh, you – oh, I did have a question, though. Should I wait? Yeah, please. No. No, no. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> how do I phrase this? Jim, you have no um, – like you can cross all kinds of genres with your writing. And I just wonder how you are able to do that. Because try as I might, I could start out intending to write a family drama and end up being a crime story. I can't help it. You You must be thinking of my family, Carrie. (laughs) I mean, uh, the way you cross genres I think is very impressive. And I wonder, do you have to, like, kind of get in character in your head to switch off on these kind of things? Or, I mean, or. Yeah, I kind of get inspired by the. The character, I mean, in the case of, like, historical fiction, I get inspired by the character. And, like, mm-hmm. this woman was fantastic, what she did for others. And I just wanted to make her heroic. You know, my fictional self took off, you know, and said, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to show this woman the way she could have been. If this had happened, this had happened, this is the way she could perform. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Not just the bureaucratic performance that reality is based on. <laughs> you know, right, getting right. legislation passage passed and so forth. But, you know, being a detective and a, a lawyer in the courtroom that's a, you know, kangaroo court, which, which it right. would have been. So it's like that's the way my imagination goes. It's like I fight for my character based on you know, how I respect her as a person historically, kind of. So that's how I got involved. Writing a woman as a main character, um, do you find that freeing or do you have to go back and go, wait a minute, did I, you know, did I present her correctly? Um, Yeah, she was a very... I, you know, writing as a woman, I'm probably get dogged by female authors 
deservedly so. You know, here I'm writing with the woman. I didn't do first person, though, I'll say that. (laughs) Yeah. I I wasn't that gutsy. Yeah. But but I think uh, even... Even writing a, using a woman as a main character, I'm going to get some flack probably from some critics. Well, but, uh, I have to say, Jim, I've read enough of your I didn't I've read so many yet. of your stories, no. yeah, and your books and your stories where you have you know the woman characters, and I've always been just delighted and impressed with the fact. I thought obviously you understand, you listen to women, and you respect women. It shows. I mean, it's, you talk the talk, but you also walk the walk and and write the mm-hmm. book. Uh, it it's the way it's just the way I know you. I think it's because you do listen to women and know that we don't all speak in the same, you know, authentic voice or have the same right. perspective. And it shows in your writing, which delights me as a woman to read when you do that. Yeah, I had beta readers who were all female, so that kind of balanced my psyche a lot. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> hey, very good. Uh, and I, I had the like, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's fun. you know it's fun when you get into it if you can keep your ass on the, the seat long enough to write, right, Carrie? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, there's a problem. There's like, a problem. I'm my own worst worst enemy when it comes to you know being prolific and that kind of thing. Oh, I think you're quite prolific, sir. Yes, you're well, thank you. In the fire. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I just want to read some more of your yeah. stuff. I enjoyed that that novel well, so you, much. And then yeah, I just want to because you are. <laughs> we all look forward to reading more from Carrie Dunn if we can ever beg it out of him. But I know he's a busy yeah. man. Uh, You're a busy man, Carrie. But got, yes, we want to. No, I've yeah. got stuff written. I've got three manuscripts sitting here, but I got no outlet for them. So uh, yeah. I don't know. What do you do? Self-published, I guess. It's difficult. It really is. But, you know, if if you, I think you're the kind of writer I am. You have to do it or you die. Yeah. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Got a dude with a gun. To my head, standing over me. Gun your head. There you go. Use that metaphor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, and just back quickly to the the, uh, using a piece as a main character. I mean, my dog is freaking out all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like Jennifer's dog. Yeah. The word gun got him going. Sorry about that. Let's go hunting, Daddy. <laughs> well, we live here in New Orleans, and every house is old, and every house has very tall ceilings. So when he hears something outside and starts barking, it sounds like the end of the world. But uh, anyway. Yeah, my wife used to say, Echo Alley. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But uh, on the female character thing, I, I've read, and I don't want to mention the author's names, but they're. Uh, famous authors, uh, you know, and I've read uh, one of them where he uses a female as his main character, but she might as well be male, you know. I mean, occasionally mm-hmm. he'll reference some man whistling at her or something so that you know that it's a female, you know, but it, yeah. there was no, 
there's no distinction between, um, you know, the sexes or anything like that or any kind of nuance added to it. Mm-hmm. And, and then another author wrote, uh, he's a white guy, and he wrote his main character as a black female, and it was the most cliched mid-70s uh, good times type of uh, dialogue, you know, that was mm-hmm. it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing. So I can imagine you have to be really careful just, I mean, to get it right. You want to get it right. You want to be honest about it. So and that's right. That's impressive. I mean, it's not a step I could take. Right. Yeah, it's you. You have to be confident with what you're doing and um, to carry it off. For example, I have a scene in the like second chapter where she gets carried off by some tongs to go to this meeting because they want to hire her. But mm-hmm. you know, I was like a finalist in the Amazon. I don't know if you've heard of the Kindle. Um, scout program. It's like, yeah, right, I thought right. I'd try it out. That's where, that's where I read your uh, excerpts. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so I was a finalist, so they gave me some feedback, so called critical feedback. But mm-hmm. one of the points that they found disturbing, besides the title, <laughs> was. Um, <laughs> I was, was going to ask about that. <laughs> yeah, they thought I was racist. I mean, mm-hmm. these kids don't read history, or they don't know anything about history. I guess I don't. But um. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not laughing at you about that. I'm laughing because I, if, if, if I can, I've got a story about that too, a short one. When I was in um, in 2004, I was doing a semester at the University of Madrid, and. There were all, of course, all the students, other students pretty much, um, most of the people there were, I was older than their parents at the time, I think. Uh But I remember there were so many of the young students, college students, that were so, especially the ones from Georgia State, they were talking about their Bible, they read the Bible, they said, you know, they didn't really read the Bible, they read books, you know, by other people uh, that were popular at the time. Um, And... I'm not going to name the names, but these are books that were very, very popular that were spiritual instead of the actual Bible. I call it, and they could speak mm-hmm. in these little phrases that I call bumper sticker um, religion. Sure. And everything read like a little bumper sticker bite. But I remember that we would go to uh, museums, and they would see all these scenes like um, somebody with the, you know, like John the Baptist head on a platter and so forth, and they would just freak out. They'd go, oh my God, these people painted such awful. These people are so violent. And I was, why are they so, why do they have all these people's head cut? I said, well, honey, those are things, scenes from the Bible. Those aren't in the Bible. They've obviously never read the Bible, blood. yeah. No, but they had all the other books that were popular about the Bible, and they highlighted right, them every right. night, you know. But uh, or you know, Abraham getting ready to, to you know, to, to uh, slay his son, you know. And they were going, "That's not in the Bible." And so, yeah, yeah, they think they know because they read all these other people's books, but they don't. And oh, they were so the mad. Bible they needs I was a trigger warning. Uh, yeah, no, they really thought I was making fun of them, and some people got very upset with me. <laughs> You're just making fun of them. <laughs> okay, time to leave. All right, I won't. I won't say another word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they had a problem with you know them carrying uh, my detective lawyer to Chinatown, and that she wouldn't react the way I had her react, and what she was doing 
she was intellectualizing it all. Mm-hmm. And that's the way I saw her character, you know, that she was so intelligent that, and I had a lot of friends from Caltech that are exactly like this. They're so intelligent mm-hmm. that even in dire circumstances, they're very calm and intellectual about the thing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> right, so they couldn't right. understand why she wasn't freaking out, you know, and I guess, I don't know. They didn't even suggest what she should be doing. I guess she has to be a yeah. Wonder Woman or whatever. Um, but um, she was more worried about. Yeah. So anyway. Um, well, critics sometimes seem to want to tell you you should have written an entirely different book with completely different characters. Yes. But other than that, mm-hmm. they loved it, you know. Yeah. But, <laughs> see, that's, <laughs> that's why I think your book, Carrie, would have been an entirely different book if some editor from a fancy publisher got a hold of it. And, oh, uh, yeah. I was, yeah, it wouldn't have been as funny. It would have, wouldn't have been, you know. Well, I, I mean, had one would, agent that was going to take me on, and she, uh, she goes, all we need you to do is move this story to someplace like Los Angeles or Miami. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I don't know anything about Los Angeles or Miami. Yeah. I, you know, it would be a completely different book, you know. Well, That's if you right. could do that, okay, if you could just not call me again, I guess. I don't know what to tell you. Miami. You know, you can't just do a find and replace Austin for Miami and, you know, okay, I'm good. You know. <laughs> I'm not rewriting the whole book for you, lady. So, I'm sure yeah. that's what they do. They do find and replace with these major yeah. authors. Yeah. Yeah, well, they don't get specific you know, as specific, you know, with some of their, and I guess, why bother? I mean, it's probably a good idea, like Stephen King did, where he just built this fictional little town in Maine that he can kind of branch out from, you know, but, uh, so he doesn't have to worry about it later in his career. Dean Toots has a template down now, I think. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, Jim, can you tell us where, tell us about where people can get the new book, China Woman's Chance. And before we go forward, I know you want me to tell people the name of Carrie Dunn's book is Joe Peace, as in P-E-A-C-E. Yeah. And I was oh, just telling Joe somebody Peace. about it. Um, a week ago. Joe book. Peace. Yeah, this is a Joe Peace author. Yeah. Austin. This is the guy. Oh, it's in Austin. Yeah, right. the Austin homicide. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, um, <laughs> this is this is the guy, uh, Carrie Dunn, author of Joe Peace. So, uh, so Jim, tell us about. Uh, well, we only got about five minutes left. Tell us where we can get a copy of China Man's China Woman's Chance. Well, it's up for pre-order right have. now in digital form on uh, any online retailer, Amazon, whatever, and um, it'll be for sale live. Uh, on the 24th, my birthday. Oh, happy birthday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Believe that, and Exciting. I've got a bridge in Brooklyn. I'll sell you, too. <laughs> <laughs> we'll definitely be checking it out, Jim. <laughs> Great, Carrie. I, I would really your... appreciate your feedback <laughs> in the form sure. of a review and, or any kind of, yeah. Be happy to, but uh, just slow down, would you? You're, you're giving us a bad name. Yeah, well, if you need you're a, way too quick. If you need a po- poke in the butt, just, you know, give me a call, and I'll 
give you some ideas. I've got a lot of those. Oh, no. You, I write you know, every day, mostly, you know. Uh, but uh, you got to put it um, together, right? you got to get the together. flow yeah, going. I don't know what order the pages go in. So. you got to share yeah. it with the people, Carrie. you got to share the love with the people. We're waiting for them. You know, Carrie, you know that when Jim, I was getting ready to say the book is about to come out, but I feel like by the time I finish, by the time I finish this podcast tonight, Jim's going to have two more books out. So you know how he is. Right. Yeah, you got to hurry. Terrific. <laughs> well, the second Four one's going to be sleep. kind of neat, I think. Because it has to do with my wife and her Lewy body dementia. And I kind of took mm. the other direction. You know, people that can remember every day of their life. Did you ever see the mm-hmm. special on 60 Minutes? People with autobiographic memories? Uh, no, I don't think I saw that. Yeah, Mary Lou Henner used to be on Taxi. She's one of them. Right, she's got it. Oh, yeah. What do they call Like uh, eidetic imagery or something like that? And exactly. Yeah. They have. So, yeah. They can retrieve memory. every moment of their life. You know, basically. Uh, basically. She theoretically. Uh, doesn't she have ADHD or something too? Yeah, it's in the same portion of the brain as obsessive compulsive, oh. so I can identify with that part. <laughs> yeah. Probably Carrie too, <laughs> if he's a computer guy. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You know, what did you that say? part of the brain. In the corner of this room. I didn't hear <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, that spurred me to my idea for the second mystery. Was like having a witness who can remember, you know, the events. Uh, mm-hmm. And so Clara has to kind of pull it out of her and go hunting for the killer. And it gets into this spiritualism. You know, mm-hmm. of the 1800s where women, that's the way they actually started uh, getting together was because they were only allowed in religious settings, you know, spiritual seances and so forth, to, to be able to speak in public. <laughs> so women were sly, and they started getting political in these spiritual sessions. Anyway, mm-hmm. but uh, that's fascinating to me. To so it was wonderful so, talking Jim, to you, Jim, people finally, can... to hear your voice. Excuse me? I thought, I thought it was wonderful talking to you, to hear your voice and everything. Oh, yeah, I thought you, too. I knew you had, t- I had, had communicated, before. but I didn't know you Yeah, you were on my you pirate when I was a pirate guy, you know, Steam City Pirate. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> that was All a right, few years ago, man. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, guys, you have, I am so delighted to have had all you fantastic gentlemen here with me tonight. Don't forget, tomorrow night is Linda Civitello, food historian, and she'll be talking about the baking powder wars. Carrie, the baking powder wars were no joke. They had the mafia, the clan, Jesse James, everything in those. So, uh, guys, join us for that. We have been thrilled to have author Jim Musgrave here, and uh, he's certainly one of a favorite. All my favorites, all my favorite guys are here tonight. Um, don't forget to get us. I'll have on his on my social media how to find his book China Woman's Chance and all Jim Musgrave's books. Also, delightful to have our beloved Carrie Dunn call in, author of Joe Peace, P E C E. If you could only find some, and of course, 
former co-host with Fred Willard on Comedy Central, our good fan Duffy Odom. So glad to have you here, too. This is Madam Perry saying, I love you all. Be nice to each other. And above all, remember this. Everybody's got a swing. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.